Welcome back to the Monocle, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. On today's episode, we're going to pick back up where we left off last episode, uh, and we're going to go ahead and talk about some sell-high vets and some sell-low vets that we would talk about, uh, you know, compared to last week when we were talking about who would be buying high and buying low. So we're going to, you know, dive right in with those. But first, let me bring Crescent on. How are you doing, Crescent? Doing good. We're recording this here on on Sunday morning, so it's nice. 9 a.m. over here on the West Coast. Uh, Just had breakfast. I just tweeted out what my wife made. So, like, if anyone wants to check that out on my my Twitter account. But she she bakes, and she just learned how to make donuts. And now that's not too good for my health because we have a bunch (laughs) of donuts in the house, and I'm looking to give them away. That COVID-19 is going to turn into, like, a COVID-30 or something. Yeah, exactly. How about you? How, how's the how's the weekend treating you? Well, like you said, we you know this, we don't normally record on Sunday. In fact, I'm pretty sure this is the first time that we've ever done it, um, and so it's it's definitely different. And also, we we generally record about like eight o'clock at night, my time at least. And so it, it's a very different feeling right now because like I I wake up early, six o'clock my time, somewhere around there. Like I've already I've already gotten a lot accomplished today and like I cleaned the whole house I made breakfast I did all that um and now you know we're sitting about 12 o'clock my time so I'm 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 gonna try and drag this out as as much as possible because my wife was like oh make sure you you know just do a quick one because we have a lot to do today and I'm like oh god I'm gonna be podcasting all day long (laughs) oh yeah I actually signed up for three different guest speaking roles um (laughs) yep gonna be in there for a while no, I, I brought it up on a previous pod how I was building those uh, shutters for the windows and like all the pieces and everything came in. So that's basically what I'm going to be doing all day. So I, at least I can get a little football talk in before I have to <laughs> go do that. <laughs> well, you know what? You're out there in Florida. Let's start with your so high, a guy who's also out there with you in Florida. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, my sell high is going to be Chris Godwin and, you know, so many people are in love with him that like they might be kind of appalled by just saying that, you know, to sell Chris Godwin in general, but um, and he's going off the board as the fifth overall wide receiver right now in uh, May ADP in dynasty startups. And so obviously like he's extremely high. I mean, you know, top five, so <laughs> hard to, hard to get much higher than that. And, um, but you know, if we look at what happened last season when Jameis Winston threw for over 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, he actually scored 58 point, uh, 58% of his points in five weeks last season. And now he, you know, of course he missed the, the last couple of weeks of the season because of, he had that uh, hamstring injury, but still five weeks of the season comprised 58% of his for the year. The rest of the weeks, he actually averaged the wide receiver 34 per week. Uh, you know, that's not the greatest. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, you're talking about like a averaging, oh, what, a wide receiver three, uh, like late-in wide receiver three. Uh, that's not exactly what I want when I'm drafting somebody as the wide receiver five overall. And, you know, like I said, that was kind of a, a peak season for Jameis Winston, the amount of yards he threw, the amount of uh, touchdowns he threw. And now you can say, okay, Tom Brady's going to come in here and he's going to be so much better than, than Jameis Winston, but Tom Brady's not going to throw for 5,000 yards. Like, that's just not going to happen unless, I don't know, 
it, let's say it would be an outlier season if it did. <laughs> I I should have probably looked it up, but I don't remember the last time he even threw for close to 5,000 yards. You know, I'm going to look it up. I just want to know. I'm trying to look through his 2007 season to see if he got close. Yeah, 2000, in 2011 he did. 2011 is the only time that he's thrown for 5,000, threw for 5,235 yards. So outside of that, he's never thrown for 5,000 yards. Yep. Yep. And so I'm looking at it now. Um, and then, you know, the, last year he was at uh, 4,057 yards, 4,300 the year before that, and 4,600 the year before that. So, you know, he kind of got close in 2017, but like still going from 4,600 to 5,000 is still a giant leap. It's not like it's, it's that close. Um, but I mean, he's been a lot closer to the 4,000 range than he has to the 5,000 range. And that was on the Patriots that, you know, run the most plays of just about any team, you know, that I know of. And, uh, and I'm expecting a much different situation in Tampa this year. So let's just assume that he's around the 4,000 mark. That's already, you know, somewhere around there. That's already taking a thousand yards away from all of the players and obviously including Godwin. Now, the other thing is, is that Godwin ran out of the slot 50.5% of the time in 2019. And we know that Bruce Arians loves to throw to a slot receiver. Well, Gronk, who now has joined the Bucks, also ran out of the slot 55% of the time, uh, the last time they was with the Patriots. Now, you know, it's a different team, a different team dynamic. And so it's hard to say exactly what they're going to do. But I just have a feeling that when you have a player like Gronk, you're going to want to you know, run him out of the slot at least some of the time. You know, um, so I would say that Godwin's slot, uh, slot targets are actually going to go down and he's going to be on the outside more. And I think Godwin's perfectly capable of being an outside receiver, but that's really what made him who he was last season. And so I think that's truly going to affect him. And then, you know, they actually drafted one of the better slot receivers in the draft in Tyler Johnson. That was a fifth round pick and he's a rookie. I don't really think it's going to affect Godwin that much, but you know, maybe enough, maybe some slot targets will go to him. You know, that's, that's what he did in college. So I, I looked it up real quick to, to check the um, plays per game last year, Tampa and new England actually had the same amount of play plays per game between the two teams. Um, like exactly dead on 67.9 is what both of them had. So that was kind of interesting. Cause I, I, like I knew Tampa or sorry, I knew new England runs a fast paced offense, particularly Brady likes a fast paced offense. So that fits well with what Arians is going to want to do most likely. But I'm curious, I'm curious to see if Arians utilizes Gronk the same way New England and McDaniels utilize Gronk. Because, right, we're, we're looking at how Gronk was used in New England, not how, Gronk, not how Arians uses tight ends. And if Arians, right, we, we've seen slot wide receivers just absolutely destroy in Arians offense, right? Larry Fitzgerald, Godwin last year. And as a result, I'm wondering like, is Gronk really going to be getting those running out of the slot or is he going to be used a lot, you know, used more in certain circumstances, obviously red zone thing, red zone situations and things like that. And even as a blocker, because we know Gronk is actually a really good blocker as well. Um, and of course they still have OJ Howard um, there as well. So, Howard was there last year and he didn't really do much. And I know we've both talked about how we don't expect Gronk to really do all that much if he even survives the season at this point. 
um, just to kind of push back a little bit against what, what you're saying. Now, I don't think Godwin will have the same, was he wide receiver, five, wide receiver three last year? Yeah, I think he finished as the, he, he was top five. I don't remember the exact finish, but, you know, obviously, like, uh, he missed those last three games. So, I mean, he, he very well would have been higher. He, he might have been the, the wide receiver one last year. I mean, no, he wouldn't have been the wide receiver one. He wasn't going to beat out Thomas, but he would have been probably the wide receiver two had he not missed any time. But like I said, I mean, the majority of his points came in those five weeks. So for those five weeks, you know, you were feeling great. <laughs> but other than that, you, you really weren't. I mean, there was a lot of weeks that weren't even double digits. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, not what I'm necessarily wanting. You know, I'm looking for a little more safety when I'm drafting somebody as a top five receiver. Weeks one through 16, he finished as the wide receiver two um, with one less game than, than Thomas, but Thomas was like 90 points ahead. So obviously, so Godwin was wide receiver two. Um, I mean, definitely room for regression, change in offense. You have a quarter, like maybe a, a passing offense that isn't going to be as, you know, playing from behind as much. So maybe they're going to utilize more of like Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. But I don't. I mean, I don't know how much further Godwin slips than this. And because of his age, I think it's tough to to sell him because I I think he's going to be a guy that you're probably going to see in the top twelve wide receivers at least for the next couple of years, right? Well, I think he's gonna, and I agree with you. Like, I'm not saying to trade him for nothing. In fact, I'm I'm you know, I'm telling you to trade him high. You know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm telling you to sell him high. And so, you know, what I'm talking about, and obviously, it's probably going to depend on your league. Um, I know that. I know that I would do this move in a heartbeat, but like for, for me, uh, I looked it up on a trade calculator and it said that you could trade Godwin away for DJ Moore and 208. And I'm doing that all day long. I actually think DJ Moore is a better receiver than Godwin. I think he's in a better situation than Godwin. Um, and so, and obviously, you know, they're, they're similar in age. Uh, DJ Moore is actually a little bit younger. So like, you know, age isn't a factor in that trade. Um, but, you know, I would take, I would take, DJ Moore in the 208, which is going to get you somebody like Chenault, Moss, Edwards, something around there uh, for Godwin all day long. So I'm not telling you to, to trade him away for nothing. Uh, there was also some other ones where like you could get Devonte Adams um, and I think a little bit added on, uh, you know, and, and then of course you're talking about an age difference. And so that might be more, you know, are you rebuilding contending like that kind of question, but there's definitely some, some players that you can get, and obviously you could go, you know, if, you, if you're stacked at wide receiver, you can go get one of these rookie running backs or something like that with Godwin. So there's a lot of, a lot of things you can get, but I'm, and I'm not saying that he, like he's very easily going to be at the very least a, a top, you know, 16 wide receiver, probably a top 12 wide receiver. I'm not doubting that. I just, uh, I don't know about the top five. And so I'm selling that. Okay. No, that makes sense. I was just thinking like, what would you want to sell him for? at that point. Um, Cause when I think of sell high, I think of guys who there's no chance really that I think that they're going to reach this peak again. And now of course, reaching wide receiver two is very difficult. And we, we see that all the time, right? Like we see wide receivers that were wide receiver ones fall out, you know, or fall into like that more of that middle pack wide receiver two numbers because a few guys have explosion years or things like that. I just, I wonder in this type of offense, um, with Arians and his love for slot and the way like Godwin was used last year, 
are we really going to see that? I know he, we talked about this at our virtual happy hour that him and Evans were like 1% away in target share per game. Um, and so, right, you have that 1A, 1B situation. Obviously, Evans is, I think, a few years older, but I don't think that's going to change. I think, you know, I mean, if they get rid of Evans, which is something that's been talked about, maybe we see another spike in Godwin's value because people think, oh, now he's going to go from, what, 22, 22% target share per game to 26, 27% target share per game, like we see, you know, from like Devonta Adams and people like that. So, that's one thing I would caution about selling him just in case something like that happens after this year, he'll still be really young and he might be considered to be like the guy in a system where they obviously love to throw to the slot wide receiver and things like that. Um, but I do think it might be tough for him to repeat wide receiver too. I mean, it's tough for anyone. You can't go much higher. Right. So it's more about like, do you think he can consistently be, a middle wide receiver one. And if you do, then you want to hold and that would make sense. And if you don't like, I don't, if I went to you in our league and I had Godwin and I said, I'll trade you Godwin for DJ Moore straight up, would you do it? Godwin for DJ Moore? Yep. Like I give you Godwin, you take DJ Moore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Okay. Because the way you were talking earlier, it made it seem like you think DJ Moore is more valuable or not more valuable, but that you like him more. Yes. I well, and, and like the reason why, and actually that's what I was going to bring up. Like, like you said, um, Godwin had a 22.2% target rate last season. And I think we had looked it up and, and Evans, um, you know, like you said, we, we were doing this during our happy hour because apparently all we can do is talk about football. Even when we, <laughs> even when we're just like, Oh, we could talk about anything. No, nope, we still just talk about football and stats and everything else. Um, and Evans was at a 23.8% target rate. So Evans actually had a better target rate than Godwin. And so usually when you're talking about your top five uh, wide receivers, you're talking about somebody that's up in the 27% and stuff like that. Um, you're not going to get that in 2020. And then, yeah, you maybe they get rid of Evans and you have them in 2021. But that's that's only going to matter if, A, Brady's still there. And then after that season, you're talking about what, a rookie quarterback or, you know, another, another veteran coming in and implementing a new offense and, and that kind of thing. So there's a lot like up in the air uh, with that. And I guess you could say the same thing with, uh, with Carolina, as far as DJ Moore, you know, it's not, it's not that different. Um, but I think DJ Moore has that 27%, uh, 28% kind of target share, uh, at least possibility. And I really don't see that happening with Godwin, especially when you talk about uh, Gronk being there now. Yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, I think you could even try to flip Godwin for someone that you think is going to be jumping into that wide receiver one tier a little more consistently and get a first on top of it or something like that. So I'm thinking more, um, you know, or even trying to think of like who I would say at that point would kind of jump up for me when it comes to to super flex. like i said i mean evans had a, a greater target share and you could trade godwin for evans plus right now so even if you're not as big of a fan of dj Moore as i am you know if you're saying that godwin's in a great situation well then evans has to be in a great situation too right so you know then you could you could make that trade yeah i, I mean i would consider trading him for 
Galladay plus, right? Galladay and a, a first Galladay's way further down on ADP, um, 40, like 39. And we have Godwin at 15. And I don't think there's really all that much difference between those two guys that both in offenses where they're kind of splitting target share with another, you know, wide receiver that's shown decent capability. Um, they have, I mean, I like Stafford's arm better than I like Brady's arm going forward and the Lions love to throw it. And if I can get a pick on top of it, like I know Galladay's older, but it's not like he's ancient or anything no. like that. People, and people, they're both that boom bust kind of like receiver. Like they're going to have those boom weeks, but obviously they're going to have those bust weeks as well. And And they're both that kind of thing. So if you can get a first round pick on top of it, or even like a really early second, I I would probably consider that as well. Or even Allen Robinson plus, like, you know, someone like yeah. that, you know, is going to get tar- he's going to get that target share. Um, but okay, let's let's shift over to another wide receiver, uh, another young wide receiver that I'm selling high on, and I actually put a thread out on him um, just this last week because I was doing a lot of research about him, trying to figure out you know some of the hype around these second year wide receivers and Debo Samuel um, right now is being drafted as like the wide receiver 24 in dynasty startups. And he's kind of starting to see his ADP plateau. Like if you use DLF to look at ADP, they show that. And one of the reasons that I'm fading him is because I think last year might be one of the more peak type of seasons that you'll see from him. I'm not saying it's his absolute peak or that he can't repeat that or things like that. But I think a lot of people believe he can start to make, um, an ascension into that wide receiver one range, or even, you know, he didn't even finish as a wide receiver two last year. Um, people think he can be like an upper tier wide receiver two or things like that. And I just, I don't see it happening. Kyle Shanahan's offense has always had one primary target. Um, and that person gets somewhere between 25 and 26%. Sometimes it goes up into 30%. Um, the second option gets somewhere between 16 and 18% target share. The third option gets like somewhere between 12 and 14%. And the Niners just, aren't going to be a team that passes that much, right? Like Kyle Shanahan doesn't have a lot of years where his team is passing a ton um, unless they're just a really, really crappy team that year. And even then we don't, we haven't seen a second pass option get over a hundred targets. There's always one option that gets a ton of targets. And then a second option who gets somewhere between 80 to 90 targets consistently. Um, the one year it was close was, I think it was the first year he was on the Niners when got, um, not got Goodwin, Marquise Goodwin actually had over a hundred targets. Um, and Garcon had, you know, like 56 targets in half a season before he got hurt. But if you look at the data at, after Garcon got hurt, Goodwin's number, like target numbers jumped up and that's what allowed him to reach the hundred target range. So Obviously, in that offense, Kittle is the number one option. I don't think anyone's ever going to doubt that. He's their best player. Like, I think he's probably their best player in general. Like, no offense to Nick Bosa, but George Kittle is the best tight end in football um, all around, everywhere. And he does everything. It's tough to hate someone like a George Kittle. And Kyle Shanahan loves him. And he feeds him the rock. And so, last year, Debo had about a 17.7% target share. Um, they added competition. They moved up to draft a first-round wide receiver. I'm not a big Brandon Ayuk fan. I don't believe in him, but the Niners obviously believed enough in him to move up to draft him. Um, Kyle Shanahan believed enough to move up and draft him. And so now Debo actually has some legitimate 
fight for those secondary targets last year um, when Kittle got hurt, right? We saw Debo kind of start to take over a little bit more of a role, but slowly, like once Kittle like reestablished himself, Kittle was the one receiving a ton of targets again, while, you know, other players were getting used as much. Now Debo does have the advantage of being able to, um, you know, being able to get into rounds and things like that, but there's only so much that he's going to be used like that. He's not going to be switched to a running back anytime soon. And he relied a lot on Yak last year, um, which is fine because he was a former returner. He has those type of skills, but it can be extremely difficult to produce a high amount of Yak year after year after year, especially with such a low A dot that he had, which was 7.5 yards, um, right? Average depth of target was 7.5 yards, which is not not a lot. In fact, I went through and I like searched. No one above him um, as far as fantasy points had anything close to 7.5 besides Cooper Cup, who is just peppered with targets in an offense that throws the ball a ton. Um, guys with similar A dots to, to Debo were Hunter Renfro, Adam Humphreys, Geronimo Allison, um, Gage out in Atlanta, Kiki Kute, um, even um, Cole Beasley had more, had a higher A dot, like a slightly higher A dot than him. So unless you think Debo is going to be able to reproduce all that yak consistently, which, you know, like I said, he does have the capability of doing something like that, but it's tough to bank on that year after year with someone like that. I think this might be one of the higher points of his career and that if you sell now to try to get some assets or use them as a piece to move up to grab another, grab someone else that you like, um, I think this is the time to kind of do that and take advantage of, of where people see him because I think we'll see his ADP slowly slip a little bit as we go forward because he also is older than a lot of those rookies from last year. He's one of the older guys, just like Terry McLaurin. This is exactly what I've thought about Debo the entire time. I just didn't really have any, like, stats. I never really looked up the stats to, like, really, like, back it up. But that's just how I've always felt about him. Like, he was – but now I'm actually looking into, like, his season last year. And what I'm kind of seeing is that maybe he has a floor, like a nice floor uh, that you can kind of count on as like a, a back-end wide receiver two, wide rec- like high-end wide receiver three kind of like talent. And, and so not saying that Debo shouldn't be somebody that you would want to have on your team, but I just think the ceiling's gone. You know, like, I just don't think he has that ceiling. And, like, you know, you could even see, like, towards the end of the last season, obviously he was a rookie. Like, he could even do better this year than he did last season. You know, it's it's hard to count on a rookie for, for great production. But, you know, we usually look at, like, the second half of the rookie year to see, like, what, you know, what kind of year did they have. And in the second half of the, of the season, like, his numbers, his floor was pretty high. I mean, it was – he had the one 4.7 week in week 15, which obviously if you were counting on him in the playoffs did not help you at all. But I mean, other than that, he was really around, you know, 13, 14, 15, 15. And then he had a couple bigger weeks like 24.5 and 21.4. But, you know, some of those bigger weeks might go away because he, he only topped up uh, double digit targets twice last season. And, you know, there's even more competition this year. So there's a, good chance that he's not going to get into that high or I guess I should say low 20% target share. Like, you know, he was, what'd you say? 17% uh, last year, 17.7. So like, you know, maybe he gets up to 20%, maybe I, even that would be tough. Like, especially, you know, that now that they've, they've added even more options and, you know, like 
I don't think they want to give up on Dante Pettis, even though they might be forced to. But, I mean, they drafted him pretty high. Um, I don't know if they've completely given up on him or not. So, like, he could be a factor out there. But, like I said, I think he has a nice floor. And and especially with that rushing ability, like you were saying, you know, that's going to get you a couple points here and there, even if it's not targets. But uh, I just don't think he has a ceiling. So I I would definitely be fine with selling him and uh, getting somebody. I know I've seen Debo go in a couple uh, trades in in my leagues. And, uh, you know, usually it's just like, yep, that makes sense. Just get rid of him and and get somebody else. Yeah. So I was looking at the, the two weeks that Kittle was out, which was week 10 and week 11. Um, that's when he had his double digit targets, um, 11 yep. and 10. So yep. like, it's one of those things, like I said, once Kittle came back, those targets disappeared and Debo went back to being, you know, second and third fiddle fighting with Emmanuel Sanders, who was learning the offense at the time, right? Like here's a guy that's coming in, um, yep. from another team has to get acquainted with everything. So it's just like a, like we were saying, like we, it's not that we think these players are bad. It's that we we believe that they're kind of at their ceilings. And if you don't think they can consistently stay there, which I don't know if Debo can or not, then it might be a good idea because public perception of them is so high that you can shift them for other assets, right? It's like we talk about all the time. It's like the stock market. Sell when a stock is high, buy when a stock is low, right? But you have to make educated decisions. Like if you sell when a stock's high and it climbs, well, you didn't do your, you probably didn't do enough research to realize why it would go up. I don't know what would have to happen for Debo to go up besides Kittle leaving the Niners. That's the only thing I can think of that would, that would bring um, Samuel Debo's like his, his um, value up. Now, if you're selling them, cause you were saying he's being drafted as the wide receiver 24. So that's not like anything amazing. So, I mean, if you're selling him, you're probably trying to get somebody with like a lot of upside that's, you know, obviously unproven at this point, or maybe one of the rookies or, or something like that. Um, well, you know, what would you be thinking? Like, who would you be looking at? So if we, sorry, I'm trying to like shift through all of the, these million tabs that I have um, <laughs> looking for, I don't know if I have my DLF ADP um, up, but I know like even someone like Terry McLaurin was behind him. And I know a lot of people were down on Terry McLaurin, but he's a guy who's going to have a much higher target, target share percentage. Um, And we have a a better offense being installed with Scott Turner, right. Who's going to be bringing Norv's offense over. And we saw how beneficial that was for someone like DJ Moore, um, who's a really good route runner and was able to kind of use that. And we, I mean, if you watch Terry McLaurin's tape from last year, that dude was roasting people, right? Like Darius Slay, who's probably one of the best cornerbacks in football, like, you know, pretty much said, like, this was one of the toughest matchups I had all year. Like, this guy was just amazing all over. And he was killing Slay. And now, obviously, you have a much worse quarterback in Haskins. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, you know that he's going to be the one getting the ball in that offense. Like, there's not anyone else that's going to be competing with him for those targets. And even if it's just a one-year thing, like you, you sell Debo, you get McLaurin plus, and then you flip McLaurin at the end of the year, right? Because maybe, you, I mean, for whatever reason, you don't believe in him because of his college um, profile. So even then, like you can, you're still going to be moving up in value as you go forward. It's one of those things that I think there's just other guys who are going to have better years that are being drafted behind him that you can move Debo for and get a little added on and every little asset that you get is something you can use in later trades. So 
that, I mean, I know just off the top of my head that that was for sure someone that was uh, going behind him. But Yeah, I, I brought it up here. And, um, you know, the first couple ones are, are some of the rookies I was talking about, like Jalen Reggers going at 25, Diva's going at 24, Reggers at 25, Justin Jefferson's at 26, and then you have McLaurin at 27. Um, Robert Woods at 28. I would definitely take Robert Woods over, over Debo. And then probably the biggest one for me, and you're probably going to disagree with me is Tyler Lockett at 29. Uh, I would definitely take Tyler Lockett over Debo Samuel like every day of the week. The thing with that too, is you can get picks on top of this. Like people want that young, right? Everyone loves these ideas, like these younger wide receivers. And some people don't even pay attention to the fact that Debo is actually decently old for, you know, his going into his second year. Um, and as a result, they're, you know, they're willing to think like, oh, here we have, I'm going to have this young wide receiver for the rest of his career. Um, here's this guy that's going to be able to produce for me um, year after year after year. And so Debo's already 24 in it going into the second year. He's going to be, right, he turned, just turned 24 in January. So it's not like he's insanely young compared to some of these other people. Like we talk about, um, we were talking about DJ Moore earlier, who's now been in the league for what he's had just finished the this second will be season. Third season. He's, yeah, it's gonna be he's going into third season. He's twenty three. Yep. Right. So, um, not saying that Debo's old, but saying that compared to his like the other people in his draft class, he is old. And so Amari Cooper's going to his fifth season, and he's twenty six. He'll be twenty six this year. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things where like even the difference between him and Lockett, who I think is 27, right? Yep. It's not like it's that much, but you're going to be able to get, like, someone might even throw, you know, a high second on top of that, or, you know, depending on how high they are, or if you have Niner fans in your league, like maybe they'll throw first. People um, are so low on Lockett right now. Like, I feel like he's probably one of the biggest values. And so, yeah, I would, I would do that. But I mean, like I said, it doesn't have to be Lockett. Robert Woods is there. I would take him. I'm not big on Tyler Boyd, but I know a lot of people are. Um, I don't really love – I wouldn't really love going with him. There's a lot of competition there, and you're talking about a rookie quarterback and all that. So I don't love that. But um, Adam Thielen is there. Like, he, you know, I'm not really a big Adam Thielen fan. I don't know if I'd want to trade for a 29-year-old going on 30-year-old wide receiver with injury history and, and all that. Not the Parker. Like, I don't, I mean, I guess I would, I would be okay with it. Like you're, you're probably trading for upside at that point uh, more than anything, but like, I'm, I'm not a big believer that, that Parker's going to get it all together. You know, once again, you're talking about a a rookie quarterback and coming in at some point, most likely. Uh, But the point is that there's quite a few guys that you can trade for him. There's probably guys that are higher on Parker than I am and, and they would trade for him. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying Parker's not my guy. So, but the whole point, right, like we're saying is you're trading Debo for these guys plus extra assets on top of it. And so that's what makes these, that's what makes it value. That's why you sell high is because who knows what you can turn that extra asset into, right? Like, you know, if you get an early second, like we've seen guys that are going in the early second in this draft and how like crazy that depth is. And next year, right, the wide receiver class is supposed to be even more insane than this one was. And things like that. So it's just one of those things, like the more assets you can add on, the better your team is going to look and the more you can move stuff around in season when it comes time to do that. Even the early third picks. I mean, you know, we saw that I, I got uh, Zach Moss at 302 in my Superflex league. Like, you know, you can, you can get something like that added on or a couple of those and you can make a, a big difference. Um, 
So those were the two vets that we were going to sell high for obvious reasons. Um, but now we have two players that we're actually going to be selling low on. And basically, you know, the, the reason why you're selling low on someone is like, yes, they, they have some value right now, but we don't believe that they're going to have any value or little, or they'll have very little value towards the end of this year. And so you're selling them now to get something from them rather than them just dying on your roster and you dropping them next, you know, next off season. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and get started here, and I'm going to start with uh, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram had a, what, top 12 season last year. So like, there's probably still people. In fact, there's one, uh, one of my friends that I talk to on a daily basis, and he said he believes his team is better off this year than it was last year. And, uh, and Ingram is one of those pieces. Now, Kenyon Drake is obviously one of those pieces as well. So like, he, he feels like you know, he's in a better situation, but he's still counting on Ingram to produce for him this season. And so depending on who you're talking to, there's probably going to be guys that, that believe that Ingram is still very valuable and he's still that top 12 running back. Well, I, I just, I just don't believe it. They drafted JK Dobbins for a reason and they drafted him early. And honestly, like the more I look at Dobbins, cause I ended up drafting him in a couple of leagues. And like, the more I look at Dobbins, like he's slowly becoming like my favorite running back. Like he, he is going to absolutely kill it in, in uh, Baltimore. And yeah, he's a rookie and they have other options and everything. So maybe Dobbins doesn't start out as like the workhorse and doesn't take Ingram's role right away, but there's no way Ingram is keeping him off the bench. Like honestly, like looking at them, JK Dobbins, like if you just look at their actual profiles, like JK Dobbins is just a better version of Mark Ingram. <laughs> like it's just kind of, they're pretty similar, but like Dobbins beats him in like every single aspect. And so, you know, obviously for like, what they're paying them and respect purposes and, and everything that Dobbins might not start hot out of the gate, but eventually he's going to start taking over that role. And at that point you're just losing everything. Um, now he's already dropping in ADP as Mark Ingram is uh, just from April to May, he dropped from the 31st overall running back to the 34th. So like, you can see people are already starting with, with the, you know, with the draft happening and everything, people are already starting to discount uh, Ingram already. But like I said, there's some people that are still high on Ingram, um, especially if they're contending and they think, you know, he might be able to do something for them. And like I said, I've been drafting JK Dobbins in, in a couple leagues. And so it might be something where you want to try and sell him to the JK Dobbins owner so that you can actually, uh, you know, possibly get something in return and then that owner feels like they have the whole backfield no matter what injuries and 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 everything of that nature um so that's what i would want to do but what's even more important than the fact that they drafted jk dobbins was that mark ingram was actually going to regress anyway like he scored 15 total touchdowns in 2019 and everyone's losing their minds about aaron jones 19 touchdowns and how he's going to have regression well isn't a 30-year-old running back going to have regression on his 15 touchdowns as well? He only got – he he barely got over 200 carries, which was the 20th most in the, in the league, yet he finished as a top 12 running back. And it was because of how amazingly efficient that offense was. Well, I think that offense's efficiency kind of drops anyway. Um, so even if Ingram doesn't regress, the offense is going to regress. Everyone's going to regress in that offense. And then just those touchdowns and everything are going to go away no matter what. So you have, you have obvious regression coming. Then you have a rookie running back who I believe is better than him. 
going to be probably taking over that position. And so I'm thinking, sell him now. If you get a second for him, which, uh, you know, the trade calculator that I looked at was uh, saying that you can get, you can trade Ingram for 203 right now, which I would take in an absolute heartbeat. Preston's shaking his head. No, he, 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 he thinks that's too high. So no, I, no, no. I, I'm shaking my head because I don't think there's any way someone's given you a 203 for, for Ingram. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what I was saying. Yeah. You're saying it's too high. Like no one's going to give you 203, um, which may be true, but like I said, if you're talking about a contender that really needs that running back two or, or running back three that to put them over the edge, maybe they would. Um, and, but you know, even if it's not like, I'd still be willing to trade them for a late second. Um, I, I think you had even said earlier that you were willing to trade them for a little bit later than that. Yeah. I, I'm at the point where I just think he, you know, we're at the end of his career almost here. Um, I know like I'm actually working on an article about, RB peak and you know everyone kind of saying after this 26 age you know get rid of these running backs things like that and I'm trying to see if that's true Ingram's one of the few dudes that was actually able through the last four years he's been an RB1 um, and actually been bullied a lot by his ability to catch the problem is the Ravens don't throw the ball to running backs so he doesn't have those targets like he was getting in those prior years and last year, he was an RB1 because of those touchdowns like he brought up. And so I went back and looked at his TD percentages on carries inside the five, which are carries that are most likely going to get you touchdowns. And over his career, he's about a 41.8 uh, success rate. Last year, he was 53. So we're going to see regression there, like you talked about these offenses. If you go back and look at all the offenses that were like top scoring in the league, and you look at them the next year, there's always regression that happens every single time like we do not see teams repeat how how efficient the Ravens were and that doesn't mean the Ravens are gonna be bad by any means right like Lamar Jackson I'm buying him any chance I can get you know if someone's trying to get rid of Lamar Jackson I'm trying to get him um and uh, other pieces in that offense like Andrews and things like that but that they just won't be as good as they were last year um and so as a result you're going to see him regress from that I've been leading this Dobbins hype train for a while now, right on this pod. So like, I can't believe how much we're agreeing on this one kind of makes me sick to be honest. <laughs> um, it's probably not a good sign <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, we're just going to so, blow this all up. <laughs> um, and he's coming off a pretty big like injury. Like it's not, not some something to just like glance over that he tore his calf muscle. Like that's a pretty serious injury for or running back his age. Obviously you have the off season and everything to rehab and things like that, but it's not, it's not something that just is going to go away. Right. Like we talk about um, hamstring issues, hamstring issues and like hamstring tears. We, um, I think it's um, the, the football doc, Dr. Edwin um, Porras, I think is his, his last name. He talks mm-hmm. about how like the indicator of future hamstring issues is prior hamstring issues. And I think the same thing, like with these, these calf muscles and things like that, right? When you tear these muscles, it's not something that's going to be good, especially when you're an older player. So I'm trying to sell them for whatever I can really get. Like I'm trying mainly if I can get a back end second, I would gladly take that and take someone like an AJ Dillon with one of those picks if they fall there or a Zach Moss or things like that. Like give me those guys at this point in their careers who I think, um, you know, not only could they even beat out Ingram this year, they could probably, they might, you know, obviously they're going to be out Ingram for the rest of his career. So I think, like you said, unless I'm the Dobbins owner, I don't really want Mark Ingram. So if someone's trying to get him, if they can, you know, tell, tell them that he's been an RB one, three of the last four seasons, show them that, that information. And 
maybe they'll they'll want to buy them because of that and then um then take advantage of it and, and get rid of them while you can because i think we're pretty much in the last year of his career um the ravens have been out after this year they can they cut him with little uh little dead money and so dobbins takes over next year for sure if not you know already kind of takes a rock from the start here yeah, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, you're like, oh, I don't want to sell him for a late second because, you know, that's not worth it to me. Well, guess what? Next year, you're not going to be able to sell him for anything. So that's why we're saying to sell low. You know, there, it, it hurts sometimes, but sometimes you just have to get out and get something rather than just letting him die on your roster. And um, I'm definitely not a doctor, and I could be very wrong about this, but I want to say that there, that there is some kind of, like, correlation with calf injuries and Achilles injuries. Um like uh, previous calf injuries can predict like future Achilles injuries. And like I said, I could be very wrong about that. But I, I just, I thought I, I remembered reading that somewhere. I'm going to see real quick, but I just want to, <laughs> I want to preference this as monocle podcast. We are not doctors and we are not allowed to give any medical advice as a result. Of this. So please do not take anything from this um, medically outside the people we tell you, like, Obviously, if you're not following him already, um, go follow. Um, I think he changed his his Twitter handle now. It used to be the student doc, but I think he's just FB injury doc. Oh, I think he graduated. Back. So he yeah, he graduated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he graduated. Um, what you were saying about the calf thing, actually, that reminds me, I think it was Kevin Durant that had the calf injury yep. uh, in the finals. And then he tore his Achilles after trying to come back too injury, like coming back too quickly. Yep. Um, Obviously, that's what I'm wondering. Maybe that's what I was remembering, but I just, I remembered there being some kind of correlation there. I'll have to, I'll have to ask him and look that up. So look for, look for that, um, that question for me to him. Coming we out. might look like doctors, you know, cause we're wearing our monocles and everything, but we're actually not. So we, so we have to refer to the other guys. So I'm glad we were talking about injuries. Cause that brings me to my cell low and the guy I'm trying to, trying to get rid of and dump if I have him, which, at this point, I don't have any shares of him, and that's A.J. Green. Um, these are guys that he's being drafted ahead of in Dynasty ADP and startups. Zach Moss, Brian Edwards, A.J. Dillon, Preston Williams, Sterling Shepard, Jamison Crowder, even Marvin Jones, who is basically the same type of gamble, but at a much, much cheaper price. Um, the reason I'm trying to get rid of him is, well, A.J. Green's about to be 32 years old this summer. He just got off major reconstructive ankle surgery, which, you know, like I said, if you follow the, the FB injury doc and you follow Edwin, um, Dr. Edwin, I'm going to make sure I use doctor because he, he earned that. Um, then you'll see that there is some benefit to potentially preventing ankle sprains, but um, that's never been an issue for AJ Green in his career, right? Anytime you have an older player with major reconstructive like surgery, particularly on their ankle and legs, it's rarely a good thing. He's had recurring turf toe issues in 2014, 2019, had ham a big hamstring strain that affected his um, season in 2016. A lot of these are connective tissue injuries um, in combination with the surgery. We know connective tissue injuries can, you know, affect them later on and continue to be issues. There's not that many players older than him. He hasn't played a full season in two years now. He's at ADP 96. And, you know, maybe you can get a healthy year from him, but I don't think like anyone's going to be buying him after this year. Like you're going to, he's going to be 33 going into next year and wide receivers just, you know, outside of Larry Fitzgerald and Jerry Rice, like you're not finding wide receivers that are producing 
this well at this age with this many major injuries. Maybe Julian Edelman, sorry. But that was, I think that's more of a unique situation. Um, and then, like, to kind of top the cherry with all these injuries and the fact that he hasn't played and things like that is he has a new quarterback coming in, a rookie quarterback. Um, I'm not going to say a young quarterback because Joe Burrow's, you know, basically the Debo Samuel of quarterbacks at this point. But they don't have time to really work out, right? We've already seen what I think Ohio's um, shelter-in-place stuff extends until the end of May, right? So as we go into June and July, that's two months to prep before we have, you know, our preseason games. So there's not like there's a whole bunch of time for him to build rapport with Joe Burrow um, and do organized stuff and say for whatever reason, because of this offseason, Joe Burrow's not ready to start or the Bengals don't want to throw him out to the Wolves to start the year. Then he has Finley throwing him the ball, not even Dalton back there now at this point as like a, a safety net. And we know Dalton loves A.J. Green, but we, we don't know how these other guys are going to react to this much older wide receiver when there's a lot of talent on that team now at wide receiver all around them with John Ross, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, right? They've added, added extra players. Even Auden Tate showed something last year at some point. So it's one of these things where between his injuries, between a new quarterback and all these problems that, you know, that come about of it. If you can, if I could trade AJ Green for Marvin Jones plus, like I'm going to, I'm basically getting the same type of player who has some injury concerns. Uh, Marvin's a little younger and I think Marvin's in a much better pass offense situation than AJ Green's going to be in or even Preston Williams give me Preston Williams who like was absolutely destroying it and lighting it up and led his team in target share when he was on the field um, even led his team even led his team when Fitzmagic was throwing the ball right he was doing better than Parker and so give me that guy's coming off an ACL injury but is way way younger Sterling Shepard, I know he has concussion concerns and things like that as well, but right, you're, you could sell A.J. Green and get these guys plus picks, and I feel like this is the lowest A.J. Green's value has ever been in his career. Like, it's almost impossible, like, to have him lower than this. Maybe at some point last year, but even then, people were trying to flip A.J. Green for Kareem Hunt in my leagues. So it's one of those things, like, I think it's time to cut bait, especially now because I think come next year, his, his value is just – not going to be anywhere. It's going to be gone. I think it's going to be a very specific owner that's going to be looking to give you anything. Um, and and even then, you know, like I was looking at it, um, basically, like you're probably going to be looking at like what a third, like a maybe like a mid third or something that you would get for him. I, I I think if you offered AJ Green to a contender, right? I think you can get a second for him. I think people people still think of AJ Green as being that guy that was getting thousand yards, 10 touchdowns, like every season, right? Like he was, it was crazy. He was what, like a hundred catches, a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns. It felt like all the time. That was, you know, what that dude did. He just turned it out. Um, and so people still have that in his, in their minds. That's who he is. And, you know, when he's played, he's been pretty good. Like, it's not like he's bad, but it's, that was what, two, three years ago at this point, like it's tough to trust him but people still believe in him. And that's the thing, like, because people believe in him, like this is your last real chance to sell as low as his value is. It's, I don't, I think by the time we get to the end of the year, it could be just rock, absolute rock bottom. So. No, if you're getting a second for him, any second, I'm, I, I'm absolutely taking that in a heartbeat. Um, 
even like an early third, like we were saying, like where I got Zach Moss at 302, like I'm, I'm still taking that. The only thing I could think of is that like his value could go up. But like you said, with the having a rookie quarterback, with, with all that, having way more competition than he's ever had in, in that offense, I still think it's going to be difficult. And then you're hoping that he's healthy. I mean, you're, there's so many things that you have to hope for or like everything has to fall in place for it to actually his value to go up. And even then, I mean, like people don't necessarily want to pay for DeAndre Hopkins right now because of his age. And DeAndre Hopkins is what, 27, 28. And so even if AJ Green does get on the field and does do pretty well, he's still 31 years old and, you know, and he still has been injured. So like his value isn't going to go up past like what an early second, like that would be like the absolute ceiling. So if you can get a late second right now, just take it and <laughs> just sell, just sell low on them and, and just be done with it. Yeah. And he's 31 right now, but in a month and a half, he'll be 32. And like I said, he hadn't played in damn near two seasons, right? He didn't play it at all last year. And he, he missed, I think half of the year before that um, in that prior season before that. So it's just one of those things that you, it's just tough to trust that he's going to be healthy going forward. Like we said, he might be able to give you one good season this year, but even then, like, what's a good season? Like, it's going to be a wide receiver three? Like, I don't, don't think you can trust more than that at this point. I don't know. Like I said, I'm trying to just get out while I can if I had him and, and try to get the value, whatever value people are going to give me. Um, obviously, I wouldn't sell him for, like, a fourth or something like that. No. Um, but, but, you know, if like, we can get a late second, early third, I think you take, you, you take it and you utilize that pick um, to help you move up or move you know, something else, some other assets. I was trying to look it up uh, to see like who's going around him. Cause I know I, w- I was looking at it and he's going as like the 55th uh, overall wide receiver right now in dynasty startups. And for obvious reasons, you know, it's going to be that low. So I was trying to see like who would be around him, but apparently the DLF page is down right now. So I don't know if you're able to bring it up, but it's, it's saying that they're currently unable to handle this request. There, there very well could be some wide receivers that you could get around that like some of these like rookies, if your rookie draft has already happened, you know, you might be able to trade him for like some of these like lower end rookies, like even like a, a T Higgins or something like that. Now it seems like people really love T Higgins. So maybe not, but like you, you so might be able. On, on this, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at Superflex ADP, but oh, this was April. That's why I was like, I don't have it on May, but in April, T. Higgins was behind him, and so was Deontay Johnson and Mike Williams and guys like that, Darius Slayton. Um, like, if that's happening, Jesus, give me all those guys, like every single one of them over over A.J. Green. Like, if you can trade him for someone like that. Yeah, and like you said, it probably dropped, it's probably dropped from there. But, I mean, you know, the, the point is there's probably some of these younger players and some of these back in – like, even – somebody like a, Ch- a Chase Claypool, which I know that you don't like, but like you still could take that upside because there is the chance that he does become what people expect him to become and, you know, something like that. And you could probably get a, a Claypool or um, I'm trying to think of some of these other guys, like even like a KJ Hamler, like just someone where I don't really believe in them, but they have upside. AJ Green has no upside at this point, unless you're just desperately needing a wide receiver for this season. Like that's the only upside that you could possibly be looking at. So I would definitely take any of those if your drafts have already happened and like, or obviously you can just take a future pick and, and just, you know, hope for the best there. Yeah. That, uh, like I said, 
these are guys we're trying to sell low because we think there's not much increase in their value at all. And they're at that point where it's about to just hit the cliff and just plummet into bankruptcy as far as their stock goes. So it's time to kind of cut bait, get something for them before, you know, you're absolutely at rock bottom and you have to just cut them from your roster because they're retiring or they're just not even, not even worth having on your team anymore. And so that's, that's more the point of what this segment was, was to help you think about some of those guys that you could do that from. And, you know, you can go through a lot of these older players like Julian Edelman and people like that and see if people are willing to give you any value for those guys as well. Um, because Edelman's probably at the end of his career, things like that, like take what you can get. And if you're really trying to win it all this year and you have some ability, like, you know, put out some tests, receive guys are willing to just cut bait for like third rounders and see if that's going to be more beneficial to you. But I'd rather have like you even chase Claypool, who I am not a big believer of. I would take him over AJ green at this point just because of the potential upside, this potential switch to tight end, all kinds of things like that. And you can get him in the, you know, hopefully you're getting him in the middle of the third. Um, like I pointed out, some people were taking him even earlier than that, but that's beneficial for you. You know, like we said in the last podcast, we had joined up with uh, football 24 seven and uh, we wanted to, we wanted to mention that we're going to be doing our first uh, round table podcast coming up here pretty soon. And that's something that's going to be for the Patreon members only. And so, you know, it's, it, it only costs a couple bucks to become a Patreon, like the lower level Patreon member. I think it's uh, what the levels are $2, $4 and $7. Yep. The, the $2 um, gets you like, I think it's access to the, the articles and things like that. Um, the $4 gets you access to the pod, I believe. Right. So- the, yeah, it gives you access to like everything that's included in the $2 one. And then also gives you the round table podcast and like any other, like we might actually be doing like specialized podcasts beyond that, but we haven't really you know figured it all out. Um, and then, but you know, that round table is going to, it's not just going to be me and Crescent because obviously like you guys hear from us all the time, it's going to be everyone at fantasy football 24 seven. So you're going to be getting a lot of different opinions and, you know, some of those people especially have some like insider information and, and stuff. So like, you know, you might get some pretty, uh, pretty uh, cool opinions there. Yeah. And so we, we encourage you um, even just check it out. Like we'll, we'll be announcing when we're going to do our round table. Um, so if you want to test it out, even just for one month and if you like it, that's cool. You can keep, keep it on and listen. If you don't, that's fine too. We're still going to be doing this pod as well. Um, But we just want to try to give you even more content and more information just because we think like the more minds and ideas you get glimpses into, the more it helps you form your own opinions because we don't want to tell you what to do. We want to try to give you information and tell you what we would do and explain why we would do that. And so we've even discussed like taking people's Patreon members teams and doing breakdowns of them as well. Um, you know, yep. things like that. That's probably going to be one of the pods that we do each month is breaking down, uh, breaking down someone's team. Like we did previously with John and my team um, a long time ago with FF Kyle. So definitely go check it out. Um, give us some feedback. Tell us what you think, things like that. 
Yeah, and we really appreciate all the love and listens that we've been getting because we just broke our own record again uh, with our latest episode. Uh, so we're, we're obviously gaining some listeners, and we and we love that. Um, and part of that has to do with, with joining the 24-7 crew. But, you know, I think uh, we're also just trying to put out what you guys want to hear. Uh, we're going to be doing – we're going to be sticking to our, our actual schedule now. I don't know if we ever actually talked about it on the last one, but – we're going to be putting out a podcast on Monday and Thursday, and we're going to stick to that schedule, at least to the best of our abilities. Um, it, it looks like we're going to be putting out our main pod on Mondays, and then I'll be putting out my solo pod, the take it or leave it on Thursdays. And uh, so uh, let us know what you think, regardless of what episode you're listening to. Uh, you know, we, we want to hear from you. It, it, obviously, if you make any of these trades, we want to hear uh, from you about that. Unless Crescent has anything else he has to say. No. You're good to go? Then I guess we're cashing out. Mm-hmm.